Uh, but hey, uh, we're, like I said, part four of our Red Letter Day, and we've been looking at various phrases that Jesus said while hanging on the cross. And all this is leading up, while it's kind of ominous and kind of uh, maybe a little dark, and talking about death, um, that kind of give you the end of the story, uh, Jesus is alive, and he's reigning and he's ruling. Yeah, come on, give it up. Come on, Christians, give it up. And so... But today we're going to talk about something very special, and today uh, Phyllis Powell, she is uh, what I consider one of our pastors here. She has been in the ministry longer than I've been alive, um, and she has been faithful to God's calling on her life, and I, uh, Phyllis uh, does a great job bringing in the word, and so today Phyllis is going to be bringing the word today. Will you guys give it up for Phyllis Powell? It was awesome worship this morning. I... Hope you felt his presence this morning. So anyway, Pastor Vaughn gave me a paper the other day, and, and it was titled, It is Finished. And I thought, praise the Lord, I love that title. Um, I spoke on that several years ago on Easter Sunday, too. And we've been hearing some great words the last few weeks in the red letter words, you know. And it's awesome to read what Jesus spoke himself, you know. And last week, we talked about, I am thirsty. And so today we're going to be talking about it is finished. Before I get into the word, let's just have a word of prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that where two or three are gathered together, there you are in the midst. We just thank you that we can feel your presence today. And I just thank you that it is finished. Thank you for what you did on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. A lot of times down through the years I've told new Christians to get into God's word and get a Bible that has the red letters in it. So when they read the red letters in the New Testament, they're reading exactly what Jesus said. It was kind of amazing. They have a song, and on the way over this morning, it was on KJLT, Red Letter. And I thought it was, it was really neat because it goes right along with what we're talking about today. And the red letter song, if you haven't heard it, it really is talking about the thief on the cross that he was, his life was to be taken that day. But because of Jesus, he was going to meet him in paradise. So if you haven't listened to that song, just pull it up and listen to the Red Letter Day. And I thought, well, it goes along with the message, too. And going on, and in your, if you have your little paper that we have that you can fill out, in John 19, 28 through 30, it says, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so soaked, they soaked a sponge in it, but the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Without, with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. So we find out, he said, it is finished, when he gave up his spirit. They didn't take his life, he gave it. In Greek, it means, finished means, t-tel-lestri. You know, and sometimes my grandkids, they laugh at me because sometimes in English, I don't pronounce words quite the same as they do. You know, I said I worked for, like, for 17 years for an uh, appliance and TV store, and I always call a wash machine a washer. And my boss used to say, I don't know how you could sell those when you don't even pronounce it right. But anyway, but Greek has a little bit different sound than what we do in English. So anyway, so that's what finished means in Greek. It means to end or completion, 
discharge as a debt or to accomplish. But it's a critical word because it signifies a successful end to a particular course of action. So when Jesus spoke, it is finished. And this word is kind of like if you were a climber and you went out and you were going to climb Mount Everest, when you got to the top, you could probably say it is finished. I got there. I made it. In Greek, the significance becomes the perfect tense because it speaks of an action that has completion in the past but results continuing into the present. So when he said it's finished, it was finished for that day. But what he did is continuing on and on and on through generations that have followed. And they, it comes to us today. The work is still, it is finished today. So in the past tense, which you, when you think about an event, you look back and you say, oh, that happened yesterday. you know. But in the present tense, which finished is in the present tense that we're talking about today, it's an idea that it happened, but it's yet it's still effective today. It is finished, you know, and I thought about that today. It's just like the sign we have at the back of the church. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, the same, and tomorrow or forever, you know. But it is finished forever. It is finished. It's the word. When you turn in your final paper, I was thinking for graduating, you know, you turn in that final paper and they say you can't graduate unless you turn in that paper. You graduate after that paper's turned in and you got a grade on it that's passable. So it's like that. You've completed that. Or it's a word when you've bought this car and you've been paying on this car and finally that new car is yours because you've paid it off. The debt was paid and you paid it off. That's like how it talks about being finished. So the word you use when you think when you're crossing the finish line, if you've run a 10 you know, K race, which I never have done and I never will, but a lot of you probably have done that. But the word means more that you, you know, I survived it because some people when they get, if you've watched the marathon, sometimes Boston Marathon, some of them when they make it through there, cross the finish line, they look like they're going to fall down. Some of them don't quite make it. But you know, that's like when you do cross the finish line, you can truly say it is finished. I've made it, you know. So that's what, that's kind of what the finish means. I did exactly what I set out to do. I was going to run the race and I'm going to finish the race. So when we think about Jesus, when he said it's finished, we think about the pain that he suffered, the 39 stripes upon his back, the crown of thorns, you know, later on they pierced his side, the excruciating pain that he went through. But because of that, and he finished the assignment that God sent him to do, it changed history from that day forth on the cross. History was changed that day, which we're going to be celebrating next week to, to thank him for what he did. So our debt was paid in full, and his sacrifice, you know, it was perfect because nothing had to be added. What was done was done, you know, and Jesus did everything his father told him to do. You know, I thought that was really neat. You know, I raised five children, and I thought, you know, if they did everything that we told them to do, you know, we, you want your children to keep out of trouble, and you want them to grow up and be good people, you know. And I thought, but Jesus really said, he did everything the Father told him that he, he should do, and he did this, but he did it for us too. So, but anyway, I was thinking about that. Do we do everything that Jesus wants us to do today? You know, we don't have, we don't have my age, I don't have anybody older in my family that can tell me what to do, you know, but when I was growing up, I did. 
And there's a lot of you still here. You've got people around that can tell you what to do. You know, but is there some unfinished business in your life that's unfinished? And I was thinking about, we've been studying, I've been studying in a home group, the seven churches of Revelation. And John shares in Revelation that Jesus told him to write down the words that he was sharing with him. So the words to the seven churches, one of them was that God knows their work or their deeds. He knows what they have done that is good, and he knows what the unfinished business that they haven't done. And he brought them to mind to think about, hey, there's still things I need to do. And I don't care what, how old you are, if you're 110 and you're still alive, there's still something why you're still alive. There's still something that you can do for the Lord. We all have some unfinished business. And in Revelation 3, 1 and 2, it says, And the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things, says he, who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but yet you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. So I thought, you know, sometimes we need to stop, you know, like if you're in school and you do write something, you know, and sometimes I go back and I kind of spell check once in a while and I look at it two or three days later and I still got a word that I forgot to put an E in or something because you're typing so fast. But sometimes we need to go back in our life and we need to kind of spell check our life and see what our life is all about. So we need to identify your unfinished business. And I was thinking about that. There's a lot of obstacles in our life that we have to overcome. You know, life isn't easy. Life is hard sometimes. Without Jesus, it would be ten times harder. I don't know how people make it through life without Jesus. And I was thinking about Joshua and Caleb. You know, they went in with the other spies into the promised land, and they came back with a good report. They came back, yeah, there is giants in the land. There are, there are obstacles. But, you know, the rest of the people said, oh, yeah, there's giants in the land. We can't, we can't go in there and take the land. But Joshua and Caleb, he's, they said, let's go and take the land because they knew that God was with them and God would take care of it, you know. But that's two people out of the rest of them. You know, they knew they could overcome the obstacles. But sometimes how, how, how can we overcome the obstacles in our life, you know. And I was thinking about that. You know, there could be someone that we haven't forgiven that we're still holding a grudge against, you know. Maybe we have a broken relationship you know, in a marriage that needs to be restored. Maybe we need to just finish high school or finish college. Maybe there's something God has told us we need to do and we need to finish. You know, sometimes we need to take better care of our body, you know, like running a race or going to the gym or going to the pool or, you know, or maybe exercising more. You know, sometimes we need to do that. It, it's some unfinished business that we need to do. You know, and sometimes it's just sharing the faith with somebody like Pastor Vaughn was sharing, when you go over to Gary's and you talk to somebody, when you stand in line at Walmart, sometimes you're standing with three or four people, sometimes start a conversation with somebody that you're right there by because maybe you could just light up their day and they could light up your day, you know. But there's, there's other people that need to deal with some sin in their life that needs to be taken care of. There's unfinished business. I remember at a prayer time a while back, someone spoke, a word that the Lord had given to them, and they said, if there's any hidden thing that needs to be dealt with, you need to get it out in the open, you know, and finish it, you know, just like in Revelation. He said, you've done some good works, 
but there's some things I have against you that you have not done that. And the first, one of the first churches was they'd left their first love, you know. And, you know, when you think about that, sometimes people, they get saved and they're so on fire for Jesus. But later on, they've lost their first love. And Jesus tells us to go back. What's that unfinished business? What is it that we really need to do? And God will show you. And when he shows you, when he speaks to you about that unfinished business, write it down. Because sometimes when you hear it from him, if you don't write it down, the enemy will snatch it away from you as fast as he can. So we need to make a commitment. You know, and, and the world today tells us, you know, don't commit. You don't need to commit to anything, you know. Keep your options open. There's always another day, you know, but maybe there's not always another day. You don't ever know. We don't ever know our timeline, you know. And then it says, don't get tied down and, you know, you don't need to do this, you know. But in God's word, it says in Second Chronicles, Corinthians, excuse me, 8, 1. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. And I thought, you know, a lot of people, I've seen them start out on a road, on a journey, and they get too tired to finish the journey, you know. They get too tired to do what they feel like God has called them to do, you know. And so sometimes we need to go back to the beginning, see what's unfinished in our life, and start out to do it again. But we want to do like Jesus did. We want to finish our work. We want to finish what he has us to do. I was thinking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus committed and followed through what the Lord had told him, you know, no matter what. And they said there was drops of blood upon his brow. And I thought about the song. He could have called 10,000 angels, you know, to take him off the cross. But he died alone for you and me. He gave up his life for you and me. You know, his commitment was total. No holding back. It was total commitment. You know, and in Luke 22:42 it says, Father, if it be your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, my will but yours be done. So we need to step across the line called commitment. We need to make a commitment to the Lord. Not just salvation, but there needs to be after salvation. We need to be committed to what the Lord has called us to do. You know, not my will, but thine be done. How many times do, are we selfish and we want our own way? We want to do our own things. And yet sometimes God says, this is what I want you to do. You know, this is the way, walk ye in it, you know. And he says the word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our footsteps. And sometimes if we get off the path and we get going wrong, it's because we haven't been in God's word. We do not know God's word because his word is the light to show us where to go. So we need to step across the line called commitment. But the next thing we need to do is take the next step. So it's easy to be overwhelmed in this life. Sometimes the bills come, you know, and stuff. Um, things happen. I said a couple months ago I had a problem with one of my teeth, and I said it cost more than when they fixed it originally, and I thought, Lord, how am I going to pay this? I thought, well, I could pay $200 a month, but they said, no, it has to be paid in two months. And I thought, okay, Lord, how, how am I going to step across this line and pay for this bill, you know? And um, God just, I, it was amazing, but God just took care of it. And um, I had a couple people didn't even know it. One of them did, but another one didn't. And, and uh, you know, two other people that month sent me some money and helped me pay my dentist bill. And to me, it was a, it was a, it was a miracle what God did, because 
Some of them didn't even know I was, you know, I had this tremendous bill of over $1,000. And but God took care of it and it was all paid off before the two months time I had to pay it. So I thought, thank you, Lord, because when we commit our life unto the Lord, the Lord, it's not that we come for blessings, but he does bless us and he does keep us. So sometimes we do get overwhelmed. Like when I got that bill and I said, it's that much money, you know, at the doctor, you know, at the dentist's office. But God took care of it, you know, because I trusted in him. And I thought, you know, I could never go and climb Mount Everest or run a 10K, you know. There's a lot of things in life that we cannot do. But we just need to take that little step. You know, after commitment, we need to take the next step. You know, it's like taking little baby steps. You know, like before you go and climb Mount Everest, you've got to learn to climb a hill, you know. You've got to climb two or three hills before you could ever climb up. You know, I've seen some mountain climbers, and I think, how can they ever do that? You know, it's amazing to me how they can do it. But they didn't start climbing up there, that tall mountain peak, right away. It's baby steps. It's little things they did gradually to build their body up, to build their probably just their stamina, and to know that there's no fear anymore. I can get up there and make it down. But we've got to learn, you know, like when you're running a 10K. You don't go out and run a 10K when you've never trained for it, when you've never worked, run a mile, you know, or two miles. You just don't, I'm going to go run a, I'm going to run a marathon. You know, no, you have something you have to work at. So you have to take baby steps. I was thinking about toddlers. I've always worked with children and love, love children, all of them. But baby toddlers, you know, when they're holding on to something and they take their first couple steps, they fall down. You know, and you pull them up again, or they try to stand up again. They walk a little bit more, they fall down. You know, and, and you watch them. They're taking their first steps, little by little, and pretty soon they're out walking all over. But you know, sometimes they fall down. But failure is falling down, but never getting back up. You know, success is when you fall down, you just get back up. You get back up and keep going. You take that next step again. We all fall. None of us are perfect. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says. And our righteousness is as filthy rags. But if we just keep, if we fall, get back up, you know. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Though he fall, he, will be utter, he won't be cast down. Because it says, the Bible says, the Lord upholds him with his right hand. So if we fall down, it's time to get back up and take a new step and keep going on. And Jesus himself was flogged, they said, with, you know, the whip. But he stood back up. He stood to take it, you know, and he cried out. He was thirsty like we talked about last Sunday, you know. And here's what needs to be done. And in the passion of Christ, if any of you have never seen it, sometimes it's hard to see the gruesomeness of it. But he crawled towards the cross. He didn't run away from it. He could have, but he didn't. He took what God had planned for him. So what's our next step, you know? So we need, to, we need to talk it over. What's our next step to do after commitment to take those steps? And sometimes we just need to share it with somebody to make us accountable for the next steps we're going to take. So sometimes it's just to read a book, you know? And I've been trying to read. I love to read anyway, and I love books. If you've been to my house, you would walk in, and you would know I love books. I said, I've got more books than i got anything else in my life. But I love books because books have something besides the Word of God that can teach us, you know. But sometimes we need to have a mentor. We need to have somebody in our lives that we can be accountable to. 
so, and there's a lot of people in this, this church body that I know you could go and share with them, and they, could, they would help you through any situation. And sometimes it's just putting a resume down, maybe to get a new job, you know, or write a letter to somebody. You know, people hardly write letters anymore. They text, you know, but they, and sometimes they don't even call, but sometimes, you know, just to hear somebody's voice on the phone or write them a personal letter that they can see you've written to them, handwritten. You know, and maybe, maybe God's called you to do, go back to some college to maybe help you in your career. You know, or maybe, like, if you've gone to Dave Ramsey's course, you need to cut up some credit cards. You know, there's something in our, you know, in our business of taking those little steps that maybe we need to do, you know. Maybe there's things in our life we need to declutter, and I thought about that. There's a lot of things in life that, that we need to declutter that kind of drag us down spiritually, physically, that we need to let go of, you know, things like that. Sometimes it's just maybe a family member that we have maybe haven't got along with or we don't talk to very much. Maybe they've been on your mind, and sometimes somebody was telling me the other day, this person had been on their mind and been on their mind off and on all day, and they called them, and they were in a very bad situation. And God was telling them, she, they said after like three times, their name was brought to them. They finally got on the phone and called, but they waited, you know. And they said, next time when God speaks to me, I need to call somebody. I need to do it. So maybe it's just calling somebody, you know. But sometimes it goes back to us. Maybe there's a sin that we have in our life that we've not confessed to Jesus yet. So we need to think about that. Our next steps, what we need to do. And in Philippians 1, 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete until the day of Jesus Christ. So, you know, that's being confident. We know that he's working in our life, and he wants to complete it before Jesus takes us home, or before he comes and takes us in the clouds. We just, we want him, we want to be ready, and we want to be doing his will. In Acts 20, 24, it says, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So here we find out Paul is sharing. <coughs> he didn't count his life dear to him, but he counted that he could finish his race with joy. So someday when we stand before the Lord, you know, with our commitment and with our, our unfinished business, if we've done what he's asked us to do, and we truly stand before him and say, we've run the race with joy, you know, and the ministry that you gave me to do, I did it. That's what Jesus did. Whatever the Father told him to do, he did it, you know. But I was thinking about, you know, the things with Jesus. You know, he was betrayed by Judas. He was rejected by the people, you know, he came in, this is, this is Palm Sunday, when he rode in, you know, on the donkey, and the people were waving and louding, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. You know, well, within a week, he was hanging on the cross because they called out Barabbas' name. And they said, crucify him, crucify him, and give us Barabbas, you know. But we find out he was rejected. He was beaten. He was forsaken. He was wound, wounded and bruised, you know. And they cast lots for his coat, the Bible talks about. He was crucified between two thieves, which deserved death, but, you know, they couldn't find any wrong in him, but yet people wanted him to be crucified, you know. And later on, he cried out, My God and my God, 
you know, why have you forsaken me? And then darkness fell upon the land and an earthquake. But, you know, there wasn't a bone in his body that was broken. You know, and the story with that is when they crucify people, towards the end of the time, they go around and the soldiers break their legs so they cannot any longer support their lungs and breathe. But when they came to Jesus, he had already gave up his life so they didn't have to break any bones. But that goes back to the scripture. The scripture had to be fulfilled, and the scripture talks about that, that not a bone would be broken, you know. And so it, whatever he did upon the cross, it was prophecy that was brought forth in the Old Testament to show us what he did for us today. But he died, you know, for you and for me. He rose again, and he's sitting on the Father's right hand, the Bible says, ever interceding in our behalf. So today, if you think about, if you think about Palm Sunday and the joy that they had bringing in Jesus and waving to him, Hosanna, Hosanna, we can do that, but later on, we can think about, you know, he did, he, he died, and he rose again for each and every one of us. And I was thinking after Vaughn had given me the title of, what I was supposed to speak about today, I, I was driving home after praise and worship practice a week ago, and um, I got home, and I sat down, and the Lord just gave me a poem. I said, when he gives me a poem, most of the time, he gives me a poem, and I start writing down, and it's within five minutes I've got it because I know it's something God has just really shared with me. So he gave me a poem, and I'm going to read it for today. And the poem is, It Is Finished. Because that's the title of what Vaughn told me I needed to speak on. So I got home and I started to write this down. And it is finished, the Lord did say, as he died for you and me on the cross that day. He came to fulfill his Father's will, our eternity's faith, the day he did seal. He gave his life for you and me. He died so from our sins we could be set free. No greater love that the Father did bestow when he sent Jesus to the earth, his love to show. It was all the Father's great wondrous plan for Jesus to walk upon the earth as a man. He was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He loved us so he came, the lost to seek, the lost and dying, the sinner who needed to be set free. He died on Calvary's hill for you and me. It is finished though it's hard to understand. He had to die for our sins, it was God's plan. Not a bone in his body was broken, as the Old Testament, his word was spoken. Prophecy from the Old Testament, you see, was accomplished on the cross by a love so great to be. He rose again, the word did say. He went to heaven to prepare a place for you and me someday. When he comes in the clouds, we will meet him in the air, and he will wipe away each and every tear. To be with Jesus, our Savior and friend, and eternity will never have an end. It's finished the great words of Christ we know. We need to finish strong his love to show. So I was thinking about this today. We need to be committed as a Christian. We need to have a commitment to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we need to follow him. None of us will probably have to hang up on a cross. We might not have to give our life for Jesus, but we might in the world today, the way the world is wrapping up. 
but we need to take those baby steps. We need to take those little steps to be more like Jesus. You know, and he's waiting with open arms, you know, today. And I was just thinking as we pray and close today, if there's a commitment that you need to be to make today, or if there's some unfinished business in your life today, you know, or if there's some baby steps that you need to start doing so that you can you can climb that mountain that it seemed like I'll never climb that mountain. I never can make it up there. But with Jesus, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So as we pray today, as we have the music playing, if there's any one of you that need to come forward and just say, God, I want to commit my life to you to be doing maybe a greater witness to you in these days that we are in. I want to I want to take those baby steps back to where you brought me from years ago when I was on fire for Jesus Christ. I want to go back there. I want to go back there. Do the unfinished business, the things that you've called me to do, you know. And if you want to do that, there's always a place down here. You can pray or you can come down and somebody will pray with you. But sometimes we need to stop and think, what is it unfinished in my life that God's called me to do that I haven't finished yet? And before that day, and he takes you home, before that day he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of the Lord. We, we don't want any unfinished business that he's called us to do. We want to say, we've done what you've asked us to do. So I challenge you today, if you have not done what Jesus has asked you to do, stop and go back. You know, like a baby, get back up again and let's go do it again. And God will help you walk on that journey that you have. So someday in your life, when it's all said and done, you can say like Jesus, it is finished. I've done what you've sent me to do. So let's pray at this time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you that on the cross you did say it is finished. And we thank you that it was finished, that you gave your life for each and every one of us to Heavenly I thank you, dear God, that you didn't stay in that tomb, that you rose again on the third day, dear Heavenly Father, and you're ever interceding on our behalf, dear God. I ask that you would just touch hearts and lives today, that we commit our ways into you, Lord Jesus, that we would take those steps back to where you want us to be, that we would be serving you, that we would be sharing the gospel to those around us, that we would be finishing the things you've sent us to do in our lifetime. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. You can stay in this attitude of prayer. I want to read a, a portion of scripture in John 20. We're talking about finishing strong and finishing well. And as Phyllis was preaching, the Lord kind of laid on my heart and said, you know, to finish, in order to finish something, you need to start it finish something, you need to start it. And some of us, just as Phyllis was talking about, we might be at that toddler stage where we're going to start to learn how to walk with Jesus. And I want to just show you a picture of what this looks like. It's in John chapter 20. It's actually Jesus died on the cross. He gave up his spirit and he's in the tomb, but something happened. It starts off, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran. She ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple to whom Jesus loved and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. They, they thought someone stole Jesus' body. 
And she continued and said, you know, we don't know where they laid him. And so Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running. They were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there as well, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up and placed by itself, almost as if it looks like Jesus was dead, but now he's alive. And I want to let you know this morning, some of us, just as Mary, and to whom scholars think it might be John and Simon Peter, some of us, we need to run to Jesus. Some of us, we might need to run to the place that's filled with death and look in and realize that there's actually life. And that what was once meant to hold Jesus in and to let the world know that there is no hope, you need to go there and see that Jesus has been there the whole time and he loves you so much that he's going to take all that bad and use it for good. He's done it in my life, and I know he can do it in yours. So, Phyllis, thank you for bringing the message this morning. And let this be an encouragement to you. The word, it is finished, it was said a couple thousand years ago. But those words still have power today. He said it on the cross. You can say it again this morning, and you can say it tomorrow when you wake up. It's finished. Amen? It's finished. You need to declare that over your life when the enemy comes start, starts speaking into your life and saying that there's death. You look at him and say, no, it's finished. And he says, you're not good enough. Who do you think you are trying to stab those nails into your hands? You say, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's finished. It's done. It's said, and it's over books are closed and Jesus is alive. And so today I'm going to walk out of this tomb that you're trying to keep me in and walk out in the new creation that God's called me to be. Because it's finished. So that's for you. Let's pray one more time as ushers make their way forward. Father, I thank you for this message that Phyllis preached and I thank you. Lord, that it is finished. And Lord, just as Mary and Simon Peter and the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, Lord, let us not just kind of take our time, but Lord, let us sprint to the place where you are, God. Let us look for you. God, I thank you. It is finished. Lord, right now we're about to receive tithes and offering. And God, I ask that you bless it and you use it and you multiply it. Not because you need to in order to do your work, but Lord, you do your work through us. And because of this, Lord, we have said yes to a lot of things, not only within our own church body with the expansions, but Lord, we were able to do outreaches. I just, I'm reminded of last week we were in the Westgate Mobile Home Park, loving on the people in that trailer park, really reaching out, giving them something to eat, giving them something to drink. And we're able to do that because, Lord, you have blessed us with generous, generous people. So, Lord, I thank you for that. And because of that, we're able to say yes to many things coming down the pipeline. Father, and I pray that even through this, it's not the Rock Church's name that's supposed to be praised, but it's your name, Jesus' name, that's to be praised through all of this. In your mighty name.
Amen and amen. Ushers may go ahead and receive that. Church, while they do that, we're going to wrap up with this. We have a rock roll out, so go ahead and tune into the video behind me.